0: This is Energy Thinks, a podcast about how the oil and gas industry can future proof against social risk and lead the world into the energy future. I'm Tisha Shuler, your host and the principal of Adam and Teen Energy. On today's show, I had the real pleasure of speaking with Kim Green, who's chair, president, and CEO. Of southern company gas now for those of you who don't know southern company gas is part of southern company and operates as a natural gas company serving 4.2 million residences and three quarters of a million retail customers um and as you'll hear in our conversation um southern company gas is headquartered in atlanta georgia my guest uh kim green who um, serves as the leader of Southern Company Gas, began her career with Southern Company, which is the parent company. And we talk a little on the podcast about the difference. Uh, She began there in 1991 and has worked in areas of the company from engineering, through operations, finance, structuring, trading, asset management, really interesting breadth of experience. Um, But as you'll also hear on our show, real depth of emotional intelligence, of vision, of civic leadership. In our conversation, we cover everything from the, how the pandemic is affecting um, their workforce to racial, racial equity and justice, uh, what civic leadership looks like right now from Kim's perspective. And we even cover climate and um, decarbonization and uh, c- company. And individual leadership in that space. To learn more about my podcast and our work at Adamantine, you can visit visit our website at energythinks.com. Now, here's my conversation with Kim Green. Kim, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on the Energy Thinks podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation.
0: So I've been interested in this uh, really strange, challenging time that we're in, Um, and thinking about what energy leadership looks like and how leadership in our industry is evolving to meet the challenges of this moment. So I I was delighted in May when I saw that Southern Company um, Gas had donated a million dollars to the Morehouse School of Medicine, which as I understand it, is part of a $50 million commitment by Southern Company to support historically black colleges and universities. Was, was this in response to recent racial equity and justice protests or has the company been involved in, in racial equity issues for some time?
1: Well, Tisha, thanks for highlighting that. We're really proud to have been able to make that million dollar contribution to the Morehouse School of Medicine. And let me tell you about how that came to be. And the fact is that I was speaking with the administration at Morehouse in 2019 and made uh, the decision as a company. In fact, we approved the commitment to make that donation in 2019. And so as it turns out, that was really way ahead of these current issues, but it does go to show that our company has been focused on racial equity for a long time, and moreover, I would just say that the Morehouse School of Medicine has a terrific vision that really aligns with the vision of Southern Company Gas and all of Southern Company, and that is to make the communities we serve better off, and in the case of Morehouse School of Medicine, that's really about creating health equity and ensuring that all the citizens, in this case, primarily the state of Georgia, but certainly, more rural areas have access to health care. And so Morehouse is certainly focused on bringing largely uh, underrepresented populations from uh, the states of Georgia into the medical school and then developing them Uh, Training them to be doctors and sending them out back out to their hometowns and to the areas uh, where, unfortunately, up to now, there is not always the the best health care provided. And so I will tell you, I personally wanted to be a doctor when I was Mm -hmm. in high school. And when I moved to Atlanta, I met the dean and the president of Morehouse School of Medicine. Her name is Valerie Montgomery Rice and she took me on a tour of that medical school and I will be honest with you that I for a moment thought about well if I retire from Southern Company now and <laughs> Next that, career, and when and how long would it take me to graduate and then how long would I have to serve as a doctor the school is teeming with energy and excitement And it's just really an infectious place to be, no pun intended. Uh, But the fact is, again, we were ahead of the current situation. Now, the decision to make the announcement really had more to do with timing a big kickoff for Morehouse's capital campaign. And so there was a big event planned and we wanted to make the announcement at that event, which unfortunately, because COVID, came Mm -hmm. in March that got postponed and one thing led to another and we didn't make the announcement until May. So it does look um, certainly in response to the Mm -hmm. more recent events, but it was the decision was made prior. And I will also say the decision around the $50 million was made prior. So again, late last year, I was um, working with Southern Company Gas on this and I reached out to the Southern company president of external affairs, his name is Chris Womack. And I was telling him that I was uh, wanting to make this donation and, or, you know, gas was, and he said, wow, you and I are just right on the same wavelength, because I've been thinking about this as well, and I wanna create this $50 million commitment. And so as it turned out, these things were happening independently, but we came together, and, you know, it just highlights that uh, these issues are so important. And, you know, I think the energy industry has really been focused on making the communities better for a long mm-hmm. time. And I'm just really proud that Southern Company has uh, such a commitment. And again, that really largely started before these current events began.
0: It's quite amazing that not only was this work um, being built in preparation uh, for this moment on the racial equity and justice front, but also health equity in the pandemic. I think that issue has been brought to light for um, white Americans in a way that it hasn't before. So it's truly extraordinary um, that, and everyone I know in Southern Company um, is quite proud of Southern Company's civic leadership posture in the the community. So I've been watching this with a a lot of interest and I wanna build off of it for a second because one of the things I think is critical in this moment is that companies who are facing economic challenges in the same way that our communities are, sometimes focus a lot of their public energy on how they're reducing costs, how they're gonna, the things that shareholders want to hear. But I've also been arguing that we have to engage our communities in the rebuilding and the recovery from this moment, which is going to last for years to come, and we we're going to be side by side. So, so another thing I was really impressed with is that Southern Company um, made a two point five million dollar COVID relief donation. Now, that was early on when all of these pressures were coming in. And I imagine you and other leaders were pressed to respond with cost cuts and, and the kind of things that our shareholders want to hear. How did, how did you and other leadership balance that need to be civic leaders with all those financial pressures? So I will go back to the fact
1: that Southern Company has – been focused, as you say, on our communities for over a century. So that kind of commitment and engagement is really in our DNA, as well our ability to respond to uh, natural disasters normally, or what we're known for, hurricanes, ice storms, tornadoes come through our service territory on the electric side, creating a lot of havoc. And this is something, our response to these kinds of events is something that we have quite honestly perfected Mm. and offer a lot of our lessons learned and our playbook to other utilities in other parts of the country that may not have to deal with these events quite as often as we do. So we have these two areas of our business that are quite mature and quite honestly, we find ourselves in a situation like this pandemic where we've got the tools in place, the processes in place to respond to our customers, our operations. I and mean, we, like many companies sent out an email on, well, for us it happened to be Thursday, March 12th. We sent out a note and said, we don't want anybody to come back into office Friday the 13th. Mm. and we don't know when we'll come back, and we're still not back, Um, but we responded very quickly with our IT organization, and our employees just always really step up, particularly, they they step up every day, but in a time of crisis, Mm. there is a real sense of pride that we're going to get through this, we're going to lead, and so that I think we were probably a little bit better prepared for, and that enabled us to spend some time also on doing what we can do to help our communities. Like I said, we really believe that communities should be better because we're there. And one of our leaders years ago coined a phrase that our employees are a citizen wherever we serve. Mm. And so that constant connection with the organizations and the nonprofits and knowing who they are and how to get the money there quickly just made all of that come together really nicely.
0: That, that's extraordinary. I had never thought about how resilience to to disasters has not only prepared you to respond quickly, effectively, efficiently, but also with that service and leadership mindset. It actually it helps bring a lot of things together for me on how you all pivoted so quickly um, into the moment. Um, so most of our audience are oil and gas um, uh, employees and leaders, but they might not be that familiar with Southern Company. Can you give just a quick overview of how does, how does a Southern Company gas fit into the, the big picture of the company?
1: Sure, so Southern Company is an energy company that serves uh, over 9 million customers. Our electric businesses are primarily Georgia Power, Alabama Power, and Mississippi Power. And four years ago, Southern Company merged with what was AGL Resources, and AGL Resources is a a holding company that also had local distribution company businesses. Those are AGL in Georgia, We also have Virginia Natural Gas headquartered in Virginia Beach. We have NICOR headquartered in Naperville, Illinois and Chattanooga Gas in Chattanooga, Tennessee. (laughs) And so Southern Company Gas uh, with those four LECs, serves about 4.2, yeah, over 4.2 million customers. Mm -hmm. So we are about serving uh, the same number of customers as our electric business. And it became very evident for Southern Company, probably six, seven years ago, that natural gas really is a very critical part of America's energy future. And so we needed to be a part of that business. We needed to be making those investments. And certainly, as we looked at uh, the landscape of different companies, AGL Resources has such a similar culture. Their employees are, for the most part, long-tenured employees, really focused on operational excellence and working in the communities as well. And so uh, also with these large businesses, largely state-regulated sort of um, vertically integrated in terms of, from an LDC perspective, uh, we are responsible for serving these customers directly and we take that very seriously. So um, it's really been a a great fit. And like I said, we've been together now for a little over four years. I moved from the electric business over to gas a little over two years ago. It's been absolutely fascinating. Uh, The world of oil and gas is certainly Uh, different than electric generation, but we are literally joined at the hip and uh, energy is really what has allowed our economy, our lifestyles to thrive. And so it's really a privilege to be a part of this business.
0: Mm, Thank you for that. Um, And congratulations on upgrading from electric to the gas (laughs) business. so uh i want to return to this topic of diversity equity and inclusion because these are really top challenges and priorities for business leaders they have been they're much more front and center today and i've been making the case for our companies that we really have to step up and embrace this component of our leadership it's part of how we build bridges to our public who cares about this topic. It's part of how we bring in the best and the brightest to create the energy future. I'm, I'm curious um, about how you're thinking about this. I, pers- on a personal level, I'm thinking about it as my responsibility to grow and change, engage in awkward conversations. Um, and be a part of being better personally, and then bringing that into the organizations I work with. You've been thinking about this, I know, because you've been writing about it, um, and it's always scary to get out into this into this context. So I'm, I'm curious to hear how you're thinking about it, working on it, and, and embracing this as part of your role as a, as a very visible leader.
1: Well, Tisha, you're right. This is um, so important to the culture of our workforce and our ability to be successful as an enterprise. Uh, So it's something, however, that doesn't happen overnight. This topic, these discussions, uh, ensuring that you've got processes and uh, practices in place that are ensuring equity across your uh, company takes a lot of time. And I will say that it has been something, and I'll just say, as a woman in a male-dominated business that I'm familiar with, but I will just say that um, I honestly haven't really spent a lot of time over my career diving down into it. I just have, um, you know, been able to do the work that I wanted to do with a great team, and I feel that you know, well, there's certainly I've got examples of times where people said things or did things. Um, I think that for the most part, I feel that they were really unintentional and uh, just, I was a new person for them and mm-hmm. a new experience. And so we're all growing together. So as I've um, moved in my career and moved in different business units and companies, uh, certainly I speak about my own experience, um, but I will say that um, when I moved to the gas company two years ago, the gas company really um, impressed me with their uh, um, real focus on these topics and having regular open conversations. Mm. So we have over, I think now 13 ERGs employee resource groups that are dedicated to uh, a lot of different types of, of, groups, uh, groupings, uh, whether it's women, whether it's minorities, whether it's Asians, whether it's new employees, you know, whatever uh, that uh, interest is, uh, we have these groups and we have this um, conversation. And again, I think that this has been happening at Southern Company Gas for a long time. And so I have probably, for, you know, um, the first time, uh, given what has happened more recently with the, and I'm going to call it the murder of George Floyd mm-hmm. and, you know, these other incidents with Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor, um, issues around race and specifically African-Americans. That has been something that has, I think, um, come to the forefront so, so loudly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I've had a lot of conversations. So what I have done, which is what I always do, um, that's try to dive in. So Mm -hmm. I have had a lot of conversations with employees, with colleagues, uh, with friends and family members. And what I have found with respect to the African American issues is that um, African Americans are all feeling a lot of hurt. Everyone whether it's an employee in a rural community in a field position or an employee in an urban setting in a corporate leadership position, every African-American feels impacted mm-hmm. at one or many times in their lives, uh, just because of the color of their skin. And this is something that I think we've just got to talk about. We need to acknowledge, um, you know, I'm, I'm sensitive and I don't want to, compare being a woman in, in this male-dominated industry as being the same. But I will say, I think I, like I said, I didn't really think about um, my situation that much, but I am comfortable having uncomfortable conversations. Mm-hmm. And I just think that if somebody says something or does something to me, like I said, maybe I just sort of um, shrugged it off to, ignorance and I mean that in the best sense of the word but I always went to that person and said you know what you said didn't really make sense or whatever and so that's an uncomfortable conversation and I think all of us when it comes to race we've got to get comfortable having uncomfortable conversations and in my conversations just over the last month or so what I'm finding is that everybody's uncomfortable.
0: Mm -hmm. White people are
1: uncomfortable, black people are uncomfortable Uh, Now we've got Asians or Latinos who are uncomfortable because they don't want the um, focus away from them. So where do they fit into all of this? So I think these are just all really important issues that we must hit head on. It's very clear that many African Americans are exhausted by what happens around them, what has happened for decades. Um, they are, um, in some ways exhilarated by the fact that we're having these conversations, but they're skeptical about whether or not we are serious, whether this is going to last, whether we are really going to make some changes in our company. And, you know, what I'll say is, again, Southern company and the gas company are absolutely committed to getting better. I think that we have got a great foundation on which to build. But we have to ensure that we get to a point where, and I'll I'll just say this on this podcast. Um, We recently had a senior executive uh, announce his retirement. Mm -hmm. And with one retirement, that leads to a lot of dominoes. And uh, we have have promoted and hired um, white people and African-American people and the last announcement and we had a bunch of announcements were two African-Americans and a couple of people said to me, Oh, well, so now all you're doing are hiring African-Americans. Mm-hmm. That is so disgusting to me. And so I see it as part of success. And this whole conversation is that when that kind of a comment never has to be heard, and certainly mm-hmm. is never uttered or even thought of by someone in our company. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've, we've got a long way to go and the conversations have got to get raw and personal. And honestly, in our business, uh, which I'm an engineer, and, I, and we've got lots of engineers and accountants and uh, who are not stereotypically, people who, who like to spend time uh, searching out their feelings mm-hmm. and talking about what you know, facing some real honest um, conclusions about why they feel the way they feel and how they that might be um, being seen or heard in the office. Uh, but I'm, I am, we're having conversations via webinar, mm-hmm. uh, we're having forums. We're having conversations uh, in small groups and large groups. We're having training. We are um, recognizing that we we've missed this. The fact mm-hmm. is we missed it. And uh, shame on us for missing, missing it, but we're not gonna we're we're not gonna let this uh, pass us by again.
0: There, there's so much in there that I feel in, in my gut, Kim. You know, I feel a response to, to your heartfelt comments. Um, Southern Company has been recognized by Diversity Inc. as a top company for Blacks. And so I want to just commend you for not uh, stopping there, not relying on that. And, and, and saying, I think we as leaders have to hold ourselves accountable to lead on this change. And I, um, I like you had to really make a personal decision. I'm going to one, be uncomfortable, be, let people correct me, make mistakes, get better. And I'm going to hold myself and others accountable to stay on this path in perpetuity. I don't think we'll ever be done. No, um, you're right. There'll always be more. We can always do better. So I, I really appreciate Uh, your accountability, but also some of the the rawness. It's hard for us in this engineering and scientist world to pivot into feelings, but this is the the reality that we have to embrace to do better. Um, I wish we weren't all on video while we were working through this together. That's particularly challenging, but if we're committed in perpetuity, we will be back together, healing, getting better in person at some point.
1: You're right. And we can't, uh, you know, we, we're doing every part of our business. We are executing on every other part of our business really well, even though we're virtual and we're at home and our field employees are out using very different work practices that doesn't keep us from accomplishing our mission. And so we can't use the fact that we can't be face-to-face and I completely agree with you. I think these conversations are best held face-to-face but the fact is, we can't wait on that. We have to get started. Our, um, we have a director of diversity and inclusion. She is absolutely outstanding. Her name is Tommy Paris. And she often says that uh, now is a time for everyone to have some grace. And mm. so as you said, we've got to start the conversation. And a lot of people don't know where to start the conversation, but just start. The worst thing we can do is remain silent. Um, at a minimum, we've got to reach out to our African-American colleagues and let them know we care about them, we support them. They're an important and valued member of our team. Mm -hmm. And um, we've got to let them know that we're here here for them, Mm -hmm. and uh, we just got to get started. And like you said, hopefully when we do get face-to-face, we will have made some real progress to even have better conversations and really uh, be down the road on our pathway on some of our actions uh, Mm -hmm. to ensuring that we're making the improvements we need to make.
0: That's right. The skepticism about our, our longevity of our focus is 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 totally valid. And it, it really is up to um, leaders like us to keep these conversations going. And even when perhaps the public um, pressure has moved on, that our internal compass keeps us working on this. So I, I really appreciate that. Um, I'm gonna pivot to another area. There's a theme, obviously, of leadership here. Um, it, after um, discussing these issues, perhaps climate and decarbonization and opposition to natural gas all seem, you know, relatively straightforward. Um, this is an area for natural gas companies and leaders that I've been. Um, advocating for us to really lead into the energy future, to craft a vision that the public can share with us. And um, one of the things that caught my attention that made me want to have this conversation with you, Kim, is that you've just pivoted into creating two groups, a sustainability and innovation group and a renewable natural gas group. So I, I was hoping you could tell us about the inspiration for that, what you're hoping to accomplish with that, where where is this effort going? Thanks Tisha for highlighting
1: that. So um, I talked about how being a, an, a critical part of our communities is in our DNA. And I would also say that growing up at Southern Company, something else that's in our DNA is the need for innovation and for us as industry to be a part of the solutions going forward. We don't need to rely solely on third parties to solve these really important challenges for us. We need to partner, we can't do it on our own, but Mm -hmm. we need to partner with third parties and we always need to be thinking about how to do our business better, how to be cleaner, how to be safer, how to have better customer satisfaction and service. So that's something that I have always driven for. And, um, and the electric business was uh, very involved and even chaired an organization called EPRI, the Electric Power Research Institute. And, and so, um, you know, that personally is a passion of mine. So when I came to the gas company, I would just say that the gas company's focus on innovation and constant improvement um, was just not as much. Not as much. It was just not as great. It wasn't as though the gas company was completely not paying attention, and in fact, we are a member of GTI, the Gas Technology Mm -hmm. Institute, as well as NYSEARCH, and so they're Is some work going on, but I just didn't feel the passion among the entire population of employees to constantly be thinking about and suggesting ways to get better. So that whole, uh, I guess, area of innovation and doing you know, doing our jobs better and just always constantly challenging the status quo is something that I wanted to create across the whole organization. Mm -hmm. And so we are working on that. I've also personally gotten involved with GTI and I was very privileged to be asked to join the board of GTI. Mm -hmm. So I've recently joined that. And so I'm really trying to lead our work in this area. And so it was just natural for me to want to make sure that we had a leader of innovation and particularly as we think about natural gas's role going forward we believe that we are a foundational fuel that we are necessary for America's energy future to ensure that we meet our climate goals and also meet reliability and and affordability goals so All of that together, we've got to make sure that our business is sustainable for the long term, and that means doing everything we can to limit leaks in our system, to detect leaks, methane detection, all of that's really important. And then certainly developing some robust renewable natural gas projects is also critical to that ability to meet a net zero carbon target, which... Mm -hmm. Southern Company did just recently announce a goal to get to net zero by 2050, and that's in our electric and our natural gas businesses. So again, RNG is an important part of that strategy and something where um, I would say over the last few years, our gas company has kind of dabbled in, and we do have mm-hmm. a project in Tennessee, um, but we've got to get involved in that much more uh, deeply, and we got to work with our regulators to ensure that they understand why we're making these investments and how this type of fuel benefits our customers and our shareholders. And so there's a lot of work that we need to do and so that's really what was driving the uh,
0: need to form both of those organizations. I, I love it and I love the way you characterize it as questioning the status quo because um, in the absence of of pretty significant change, the industry is on defense with the with public opinion and the the acceleration of concern about climate, and something like Southern Company's decarbonization goals, I believe, builds a bridge to the public that says we share a vision with you of the future, and now we have room for a conversation around the importance of natural gas, because I too believe not only do we not meet climate goals without natural gas, we accelerate our ambitions to decarbonize with engagement with the natural gas industry. So I'm uh, excited to hear you talk about that and think like that, particularly in this moment when... The whole world is upside down and there's, there is some space. There's some space for innovation and disruption. So that, that's very exciting to hear. Um, so let me, let me set that up as my next question for you, which is, what do you think is the biggest opportunity emerging from the pandemic? While the world's upside down and remote and uncertain, and there's a lot of need out there, Um, What do you think is the biggest um, opportunity that emerges for for you and for Southern Company guests? So there are a lot of opportunities. If
1: you really, uh, and we have asked our employees, we Mm. uh, even had a little contest about what is it about your work that you enjoy now, or is is working better, and uh, what do we need to keep doing? And by and large, I would say the largest learning for us has to do with our embracing or in the past, maybe not embracing telecommuting.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: the fact that we do have a strong culture, and I would just say, I love um, you know, going to uh, meet with employees who have been at our company for 30 or even 40 years. Not, and as they retire, I ask them, what is you know, what has been the best part of your experience with this company? And without fail, of course, they always say it's the people they work with. It's the people. So I do believe, and I'm a people person. I like being around people. Um, I believe we've got to ensure that we maintain really strong connections with one another. But the fact is, as I mentioned earlier, we have performed beautifully financially, operationally, from a customer satisfaction perspective during this situation. And in fact, many parts of our business are performing better. Um, And I'll just point out our call center employees, for example. Our call center employees love working from home. They feel that they're in a more comfortable environment. There are less distractions. If you think about call centers, they're sort of like trading floors. They're more open. And so there can be distractions and other conversations around them. And and while you may like to reach over to a partner and ask that person a question, now you can be on the phone with a customer and you can be chatting with a colleague to get some information or whatever. Technology is allowing us to do our job so much more effectively and efficiently and enjoyably. And I would just say that from a climate perspective, certainly in a city, now of course we're headquartered in Atlanta Mm. and a lot of our employees live in the suburbs and it's not unusual for someone to have a one hour commute each way. So if that person maybe going forward only needs to be in the office two or three days a week, um, they are having a better quality of life. They are having better, um, they're certainly not emitting if they're not, unless they're driving an electric vehicle, which some people do, um, or a CNG vehicle. But if they're driving a traditional gasoline fired vehicle, they're saving a tremendous amount of emissions by not being on the road. And so I just think that um, the opportunity for us to consolidate maybe some. Office space. Now I will say I think people in the commercial real estate business have really got challenges mm-hmm. uh, because as I speak with colleagues of mine, other peer CEOs of other companies, uh, this is a consistent theme that we are we need more flexible workspace um, and uh, allowing people to telecommute more is something that is going to be, I think, uh, something that helps our employees, helps our communities, and um, we're still still gonna be able to perform very, very well.
0: I, I couldn't agree more. It's gonna be so interesting how we can better support families um yes. bringing in uh, uh the best and brightest across all demographics it's it's going to be really exciting well let, let me pivot into um a, a couple final personal questions sure. um uh, how, how are you and your family faring during the pandemic so tisha i
1: feel so blessed and fortunate to be where i am just in my life uh, we're faring terrifically i have My husband and I have two daughters, they're 20 and 23, and uh, they were both here. I I never thought, I mean, one just graduated from college and one is in college, and I never thought I'd have them both home at the same Mm -hmm. time again for an extended period of time. And they were home with my husband and me for several weeks, so Mm -hmm. all four of us were together. And I um, got to do things with them that, honestly, when they were growing up, I probably didn't do. I cooked dinner every night. We went on walks every day. We played games. We had a lot of really nice quality time together that, uh, for me, was really special. So I feel very fortunate. They, they After a few weeks, they were kind of over that nice, fun, mm-hmm. quality time and ready to get back mm-hmm. to their lives, which... Uh, or what that's what they're doing now. And and that's great. But for me personally, it was really wonderful. And, um, you know, I I will say I like being out in the office and being with employees. So I really miss that. I've learned how to lead differently from the four walls of my tiny home Mm -hmm. office. But again, I'm fortunate that I have a small home office. Many of our employees are uh, having to you know work on a kitchen table or a cardboard table in their basement they're dealing with younger children you need help and support for either online school or if they're uh, not even school age tracing a three or four year old uh, mm-hmm. around all day and trying to keep them quiet while you're on a conference call can be really challenging um, so I'm very sensitive to that and um, we're trying to do as much as we can to be flexible and open and you know I love when kids get into a zoom call Mm -hmm. or dogs are on laps and in some ways I think we've gotten to know each other a little better through all of Mm -hmm. this and um, you know again we have a we have an online application that we use for internal communications it's a it's an app on our phone it's called fuel and people can post on the Fuel app. And we have just such amazing employees who are so positive and inspiring and post wonderful messages every day uh, about their work or their customers or their families. And I'm just here to say that I feel extraordinarily blessed uh, to have been a part of this company, a part of this industry. And again, just where I am in my own age and with my daughters and their situation, uh, we've all been great.
0: It's such a great time for us to humanize ourselves and break down maybe some of those work home barriers that weren't necessarily constructive and really see each other as as, uh, parents or uh, isolated individuals that that need need connection. There's that full spectrum and um, I, I really am enjoying the the humanity, the sharing of humanity and the deep empathy that we have for the, the whatever the next phase in the fall looks like with with remote learning uh, for the for the most part continuing so very interesting. Um, So from a personal perspective, is there anything that you're going to do differently going forward? Because you've had this experience of being home all this time.
1: Well, I, you know, I think what I'm, well, I don't know if I'm going to do anything differently. Honestly, honestly, I I will be more open, I guess, I guess, uh, not, I guess, I will be more open (laughs) (laughs) to telecommuting. I have been, a little more reluctant to embrace that, mm-hmm. so I would just say that, um, I, you know. But uh, my staff, I mean, we're all we're all traveling, we're all flexible. So I'm very flexible. But I would just say that um, again. I think as we bring new, as you said, we have to, and and I'm very focused on attracting the best and the brightest talent into this company. We need people who, as you were talking earlier, care about the environment Mm -hmm. and care about finding ways to um, be able to take care of the air and take care Mm -hmm. of the water and the land, but also ensure that we have clean, safe, reliable, affordable energy. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to have these wonderful young minds who are thinking differently and are going to help us uh, meet these objectives. Um, But the way they work is different. They are, of course, much more used to online learning and much more used to Zoom Mm -hmm. and much more used to technology. And so I guess I would say I will, um, I'll be very open to that. Um, But I honestly just can't wait to get out of here and go somewhere (laughs) every day, which is what I used to do. I was really not in my office very often. And, um, and get out and start seeing people and learning again. And, um, you know, I call people on the phone now and try to tell, every morning I call a, group of, a small group of employees that are having a muster call, tell them how much I appreciate them. Um, but I like doing that face-to-face and getting out there and pushing my sleeves up. And, you know, I miss not going to industry conferences, mm-hmm. miss not seeing people and developing those relationships. So, um, you know, I I have certainly had to lead differently, as I said, through these walls, writing more letters, posting myself on fuel, mm-hmm. doing things electronically, and so I'll do more of that. But my preference is shaking your hand, giving you a hug, and uh, getting to know you, and and um, making sure that you know how much I appreciate what you do for our company
0: well that's wonderful i was going to ask you next what you're looking forward to but i think we heard it and that is a great <laughs> place to end so kim i just want to thank you and southern company guests for your leadership thanks for helping show us a roadmap for what civic leadership looks like what personal growth looks like in in leaders and it's just been a, a delight having this conversation with you Tisha, thank you so much. I appreciate your leadership
1: and everything that you and your company does to really help ensure that we're um, doing the research and understanding what's happening around us and trying to put ourselves in the best position possible to communicate the great things that we do and identify where we can get better and all get better together. So thank you, Tisha. It's really been a privilege. Thanks for doing
0: this. That's our episode for today. Thank you so much to Kim Green for taking time to share her insights with us. I'd like to know what uh, you think about what you've heard here today. So please visit our podcast website at energythinks.com podcast and let me know. You can subscribe to Energy Thinks on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please take a moment right now and give us a rating. Thanks for listening to Energy Thinks. Until next time, I'm Tisha Schuler. Wishing you and yours happiness, prosperity, and good health.